copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Buckingham's police calling all cars, sending all cars, broadcast 169 regarding a robbery. Go at once to 2015 North Ferrando Street. That's all. Rose and Curtis. And the gasoline, never do we make unsupported claims. If we cannot give you convincing facts and reasons, we cannot expect your loyalty. By the same token, if we prove to you the advantage of the Grande Cracked Gasoline, we expect you at least to give it a trial. We ask you to remember only one fact. More police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment use Rio Grande Cracked Gasoline wherever it is sold than any other brand. Last year, this meant 55 million miles. Do you know of any other test, any other run, any other trip that covered 55 million miles? The average police car travels more than 200 miles a day, more than 75,000 miles a year. Do you know of any other driving that is a better test of gasoline? There are no tricks to a police officer's driving. He drives just as usual, except harder. Real gun to crack gasoline gives him that finer, flashier performance called police car performance. And it will give you exactly the same. And here is the reason. Real gun to crack gasoline is refined by the patented Sinclair cracking software. This breaks up gasoline with finer atoms that burn more readily and more completely. Turn these facets to your own advantage. Be your independent Rio Grande dealer tomorrow, and from tomorrow on, enjoy the satisfaction and the thrill of police car performance in your own car. Once again, we present Captain Bert Wallace, Head of the Homicide Squad of the Los Angeles Police Department, Captain Wallace. Good evening, friends. Tonight's story is an unusual one, as well as being a fine example of the value of California's anti-kidnap law. As a result of this law, new at the time of this crime was committed, we were able to send the criminals responsible for it to the penitentiary for life. Had the anti-kidnap law not been in effect, they would have been able to spend a term for robbery in San Quentin then come out to prey on you, the public, all over again. It is a satisfaction to us, and should be to you, to know that now, with the California anti-kidnap law in action, criminals who fall under its shadow will be effectively removed from society, not for a few years, but for life. December evening, 1935. At his home in Hollywood, Attorney Henry Bodson, former Vice President of the Board of Governors of the State Bar of California, and one of the most popular barristers of Los Angeles, makes last-minute preparations before leaving for the Los Angeles Bar Association's annual high school. His wife, nearly ready, his 12-year-old son, Grattan, eating dinner under the faithful supervision of the college maid, Attorney Bodkin decides to save time by bringing his car from the garage in back to the driveway entrance. 
But as he pulls the car to a stop and looks expectantly out the side window for his wife, he meets with a surprise. Well, is Mr. Butkin? Why, yes. We got a Christmas package for you. A Christmas package? That's right. It's a little early for such things. Only the 16th. However, put it in the back of the car there. Yeah, here's the receipt. Will you sign, please? Oh, I'd love to have it. Sign it right here? Yeah, that's all. There you are. Oh, did you put the package in the back? Yes, sir. That's fine. Cut the motor and turn off those lights. What? Come on, come on. This is stick up meaning busy. Cut that motor and put off those lights. Well, here, wait a minute. I'll give you my wallet. No, we don't want that. Come on, cut that motor. Now get out of the car and we'll go in the house. All right. You go ahead. And remember that I get you covered with this gun all the time. Now, listen, men. There's a colored lady inside. If she sees you with those masks on and those, those guns, she's very terrible. They're liable to be trouble. Well, it's up to you to keep her quiet, then. Now, come on. Now, look. All the money I've got is in my wallet here. Why don't you be reasonable and take that shot up and keep walking? Right in the house. I'll have to get the maid. The door's locked from inside. Okay. This is just quiet. I'll do my best. Oh, now, Mr. Bartlett. Well, it's all right, Amelia. Uh, these men are friends of mine. Now, don't get excited. Oh, what are you laughing, Mr. Bodkin? Mr. Bodkin's in the dining room. He's sitting here ready to go. That's, uh, yeah, that's fine. We'll go in there. Yes, Mr. Bodkin. Oh, I'm all right, dear. I just want... Oh, Ruth, don't get excited and don't cry out. These men are on. Please. Everything will be all right. What is that? Get him. I'll go with you. Yes. And don't try any funny stuff because I won't like it. Oh, Bodkin. Come in here, will you, dear? All right. Get down here to this table, Mr. Barton. All right. Aren't you and Dad going to the party? Well, come in here, Gretchen. Okay, Dad. You sit down at the table, too, Sonny. And you, too, Mrs. Barton. Yes, sir. Ah, that's fine. Now, here's the idea. We want all your money. Every bit of it. Where is it? I told you. Everything I have is here in my wallet. Here it is. All right, here. Oh. Nineteen dollars, eh? Nineteen dollars, and you say that's all you have. Come on, where's your real money? Oh, here's my purse. You can have all this in it. Thanks. Twenty-four dollars. Well, isn't that fine? Now, look. We want real money, not chicken feet. We're staying right here until we get it. Listen, mister. I got some money in my savings bank. You can have it if you, if you go away and stop staring my mother and dad. That's the woman's cost. Okay. Come on, hand it over, lady. There's nothing in it. Oh, yes. You don't have my rings. You can have them. Thanks again. Now, look. Cut the cord. No, please. Now, you're going to tell us where your money's hidden or not. I told you the truth. You've got everything I have. All right, come on. Let's take the woman and the kid in the other room and work this guy over. He'll talk then. Go with him, Ruth. It's all right. 
they'll hurt you. I don't think so. You go ahead and do as they Come say. on, come on. Cut the car and let's go. You keep an eye on this guy while I find a place to put these. No, okay. don't be long. You're making an awful mistake doing this. You won't find any more money around here. I wouldn't be too sure. Now you just keep quiet till my partner comes back. Then we'll see about it. You said something about hidden money. What did you mean by that? Be quiet. I locked them in the closet. They'll be safe enough there. You didn't hurt No, I didn't. Now let's stop fooling around get down to business. Take off your shoes. My shoes? Go ahead, Nick. Take them off. Now, let's go. See if he's got any dough hidden. Yeah. How about it? Ah, there's nothing in here. There's not a gun. All right, then we'll have to try something else. Get out that wire and tie him down. What's the idea? Get up. The only time I want to hear you talk is when you tell me where your money is. But I've already told you. I don't believe you. Time with his hands behind him. (laughs) All right, Bodkin, now your last chance. Where's the money? You haven't done it. Maybe this gun will change your mind. There isn't any use in shooting it. I've told you the truth. Go hard. Where's that money? Where's that money? I don't know who told you. I had money now. But it's not true. You think I'd let you do this to my family if I had me? Think fast. If I had any money, I'd give it to you. Everything would be covered by insurance. I'm not holding out on you. Uh, bring out his wife. Okay. My wife isn't going to be able to give you any, any information. There isn't a cent more in the house. That's what you say, Buckingham. For me, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. And I'm not leaving till I prove it. <laughs> Hopelessly bound, hand and foot, Attorney Bodkin sits in the chair, chairs directly in front of him. His mind constantly seeking some way to end the ordeal, grasping at some new straw, rejecting it again for another. And after an interval that seemed amazed, the door opens again. His wife, terrified, is brought into the room, and made to sit across the table from him. For a moment, nothing is said. No sound breaks the heavy silence of the place. Then... Slowly, deliberately, one of the men begins to speak. Lady, I've got to tell you something. Something that's mighty important to you. Yes. We're not amateurs. We're not fooling. You know that. Yes. You've got some money hidden in this house somewhere. We intend to get it. And I don't much care how. How about it? Are we going to have to get tough or are you going to talk? My wife has told how about it, lady? I've told you all I can. There isn't any money here. How would you like to see your husband's body floating around in the bay? Oh. Yeah, I can tell you wouldn't like it. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen to him if you don't talk. Oh, but I've told now, you. Now, listen, both of you. We've got a gang outside armed with machine guns. If you won't talk, I'm going to call them in and they'll tear this place apart. All right. I've got another idea. Maybe a little heat will change your mind. 
What are you going to do? You watch, lady. You see. Give me that magazine. Hmm? Oh, yes. Now, about Jimmy, are you going to talk? You're making a mistake. There isn't oh, any... Okay, give me a map. Yeah, I got it here. Yeah, we'll see how he likes this. You can't do that. You can't. No, maybe I can and I'm going to. Maybe when this flame begins to warm your husband's hands, he'll feel they usually do. Oh, no. All right, Watkin, how do you like this? <laughs> You better talk, Watkin. This is going to burn pretty hard. Well, where's that money? Where's that money? Begin to get on my nerves. Get on my nerves. Get on my nerves. I don't know. Oh, please. Please don't touch me anymore. We've told you the truth. Here's my checkbook. You can look at the stuff. I did $25 out today, and I spent $1. Here's the rest. $24. That's all we have in the house. Let me see that checkbook. Let me see. Yes, here, all right. It's $25 on this baby. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid they're telling the truth. Where do I get my hands on that lousy punk that gave us this chair? I'll bust his head off. We better get going, huh? Yeah. We've got to tie him up first, and then we'll scram. You go get the kid and that maiden out there on these. Okay. Well, you're lucky to get off so easy, Mister. I thought you were still lying. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. You. Yeah, well, put out your hands, baby. I'm gonna tie you up good and tight just so you won't tie any funny stuff after we're gone. Tie those others who have goods. The kid too. Yeah, okay. Come on. Put your hands on the back here. Now listen, all of you. As soon as we finish this, we're leaving, see? And I don't want to peep out of you for 45 minutes. Not one sound. If you do make any of the boys outside will come in and make it very nasty. Remember that. And after finishing the job of stuffing Bodkin in his household, the two men walk out, disappear into the night. For several minutes, no one dares speak. Then Grattan, the 12-year-old Watson boy, begins a slow but determined attack on the rope, binding his wrist. Finally manages to squirm free. In turn, releases his father, mother, and Amelia, the speech of this lightning-colored maid. And once free, Watson rushes across the street to his neighbor's house, home for police. Receives a promise of prompt action. Within ten minutes, Detective Stepper Jordan and Jack Molina from the Hollywood Division enter the house begin an investigation. An investigation that lasts half the night results in the following meager clues. Bodkin's description of the men. The fake clip package found in the back of Bodkin's car, which when unwrapped proved to be a box of the type used to hold a gallon wine bottle. On the outside, it bears the label, Claret. These two leads and no other. The detectives have to work on. And after a fruitless night of questioning neighbors searching for fingerprints, Jordan and Molina returned to police headquarters and made a report. Finding the box and torturers begins to look like an impossibility. Five days pass, during which many suspicious characters are picked up and questioned by police. But no sign of the two men described by Boston can be found. And then one morning... 
Georgia Street Police Station. Uh, this is radio officer Kemp speaking. He's got a woman out here who claims she knows something about that boxing club. Where are you? Okay, stay there and hang on. I'll check with Captain Edwards and have someone come down. Okay. Informed of this new break, Captain Edwards, in charge of the Georgia Street Detective, sends Lieutenant Detective First and Dorman to the spot with instructions to run the tip down. And a few minutes later, they join with you officers Kemp and Miller, and are in turn introduced to a woman. Well, uh, what's this all about, lady? You're looking for the man who pulled that Bobkin job, aren't you? Correct. Well, I know who did it. Who? <laughs> well, the only thing is, I'm afraid you'll think that I had something to do with it, and I didn't. Suppose you tell us the story, and we'll see. Well... Will you promise me that I won't get mixed up in the thing if I can prove I was clear? Sure. Well, all right. Well, I was out a little joint the other night, you know, a beer spot, and I met two fellas. They asked me to join their party, and I did. I couldn't see anything wrong in that. They looked all right. Sure. Now, but after we'd been there a while, they got pretty drunk. Began talking about all kinds of things, and all of a sudden they mentioned this vodka thing. One of them sort of laughed, and then he asked me how I'd like to have some diamonds. <laughs> he showed me a newspaper article about the torture case. And all of a sudden, I realized I was with the men who'd done it. What'd you do then? Well, I, I was scared, and I thought about getting away from there. And then I figured maybe if I stayed, they'd talk more, and I could help the police. Did they? <laughs> oh, plenty. They even admitted having done the job. One of them, his name's Hill. Well, he was all for not talking. But the other one was drunker, and he told me all about it. Listen, you know where we can find those men now? Yes, in their apartment. And I'll bet they're still asleep. Can you show us where it is? Oh, yes. Okay, come on, boys. We're going up and interview these lads. Oh, <laughs> won't they be surprised? <laughs> short time later, a very much surprised pair of men find their morning meal suddenly disrupted by the abrupt arrival of the four officers. They admit to the names of Hill and Tanner, but see them and they deny any knowledge of the Boston affair. And after a short round of questioning, first and Gorman decide to take them to the police station for further questioning. There they are joined by two more detectives, Fred Russell and M.O. O'Connor. But repeated questioning brings the same replies from both men. A complete denial of any connection with the case. A check with the record bureau brings to light the fact that Tanner has a past record, that Hill has none. Therefore, Captain Edwards points out, Hill is the logical one to crack under questioning. And with this in mind, the four detectives bring Hill into the room. Start all over again. Now, look, Hill, where were you on the night of December 16th? Well, I, I was over at the county hospital seeing my wife. Uh, she's sure you weren't out at Harry's Boxing House oh, that night? No, I was at the hospital, sir. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Hill, aren't you the fellow that tortured Henry Bodkin, kidnapped him, and robbed his wife? You may not know it, but when you forced Bodkin to take a walk with you, you kidnapped him. You know what they do with kidnappers in this state town? Well, huh? I didn't have nothing to do with it. I was just over there seeing my wife. Where were you before you went over to the hospital? Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. What did you do afterwards? Well, I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to remember that far back, you see. All right, Hill, go on. Forget everything you ever knew. Only if you want my opinion of you, you're being pretty silly. Come on, O'Connor. I want to see you alone a minute. On 
At once out of the room, Lieutenant Gorman confides to O'Connor his idea, which results in a hurried trip to the county hospital. Once there, the two men find Hill's wife, question her. Question her about her husband's alibi visit on the night of December 16th. Find him to be lying. As they start to leave, she gives them a note asking that it be delivered in person to Hill. But back at headquarters, Hurst and O'Connor learn that Hill and Tanner are to be put in the show up the next morning. Decide to hold the letter until afternoon. And accordingly, the following morning, Attorney Bodkin, his wife and son, and the colored maid, Amelia, stand with the officers. Watch the line of suspects as they are paraded under a brilliant white light. Several men are brought out. Then, Tanner starts. But as he starts in through the door, a jailer notices he has no shoes on. Makes him get them. And a moment later, his reason for this is discovered when Amelia bursts into speech. Yes, that was a more rod. I remember these shoes. There was more like boots than shoes. That's how I know them. Following this, Boston and his wife substantiate Amelia's identification. Hill, when his turn comes, is pointed out by all three of them. The finger points directly to Tanner and Hill as the wanted men. But when questioned again after the show up, they refuse to talk, deny everything. But Hurst and O'Connor have ideas, put them into effect when they get still alone. Hill, you're still set on the idea of not talking. Well, I haven't anything to talk about. Okay, okay. Here's a letter from your wife. She asked me to give it to you. Oh, yes. You talked to her? Sure, over at the hospital last night. Well, what'd she say? She kind of hurt when we told her what you've been doing. Gave us this letter for you. Go on, read it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, I'll do more than that, King. I'll tell you where to find the guy who planned it. He's the one you ought to have. Tom was just working for him. Sure. And his name is Britton. He's got all the jewelry we've got. You can find him at 2960 West 9th Street in his apartment. And half an hour later, O'Connor, Dorman, Russell, and Hurst, accompanied by Attorney Botkin, stand before the door to an apartment the landlady has pointed out as being broken. Door's locked. We'll have to break it in. Okay. Well, well, well. I don't think we'll have any trouble with him. Look at that bottle he's been working on. Yeah. If he finished that all alone, he's plenty drunk. Brooks! Brooks! Yeah. We're after the pots and diamonds, Brooks. One of the boys said they left them here. Where are they? They're out here. They had them here, but they took them away. Took them away. It's got to get another drink. My head's coming off. You know, Jim Hill. Never heard of him. Here's something. Yeah. Newspaper. They did the thing. What a drink. Laying over here, open to the story about the kidnapping. What are you doing with that, Brooks? Got to have a drink. Head's coming off. It doesn't look as though we're going to get very far with him at this point. Let me alone. Well, we'll take him in and let a night in jail sober him up. Maybe he'll feel more like talking tomorrow. Following morning, a soberer but surly Brooks faces Attorney Bodkin and the officers, answers questions in a defiant tone. Do you know Buck Tanner? I never heard of him. Where'd you get that cardboard box you turned over to Jim Hill last Saturday night? I turned over to Jim Hill. I don't even know Jim Hill. If he says so, he's crazy. You never saw Jim Hill before you saw him in jail? Well, I've 
I've seen him, but I, well, I don't know him. Would you know Hill if you saw him again? I don't know. Well, maybe if you could have Hill brought in, Lieutenant. Right away. I'll get him, Mr. Bodkin. Thanks. Now, Brooks, you say Hill has never been in your apartment. Yeah, that's right. Never. Yet Hill says he has. Well, and he's lying. We'll see about that. Right in here, Hill. Hello, Hill. You know this fellow sitting here? Yes, you, you, you can't positively identify me. Now, wasn't there another fellow in my apartment when you were there? You know, a, a guy about my size named Joseph? Huh? No. Brooks, what afternoon did Hill come up to your apartment? I, I don't know. I, I was never there when Hill was there. Yesterday, when we entered your apartment, we asked you where the diamonds were that had been left with you, and you said they'd been taken away. Oh, you're crazy. I didn't say that. I had some jewelry of my own in my pocket. That's what I meant. Didn't you say the boys had taken them? No, I didn't. Hill, uh, where did you last see this man, Brooks? Well, when we did him the jewelry and stuff. Hill, Brooks, you remember that? No, I don't. Well, listen, Brooks. I'm clean. I'm going to be clean, see? I was dragged into something I knew nothing about. You got me to do the job, and then you told me if I backed down, it was, it was my head. And then you turned around and gave me one dollar for it. He only gave you a dollar? Uh, did he say the job was a success? He said there should have been more. Did you ask him for more money? Well, I asked him for some of the jewelry, and he told me to get out. What have you got to say, Rook? Say, I ain't got nothing to say. You admit it or deny it? I deny it, and, and you here, you positively identify me. Oh, Rook, you're wrong, Mr. Don't be alone, Scott, Brooks, and you know well, it. I don't know anything of the sort, and I still say you're nuts. You're as crazy as a hare. Why, I never had anything to do with you. Despite Hill's positive identification of Brooks as the brains of the gang, the police are unable to connect him by any direct evidence. No jewelry has been found in his apartment. Nothing that can be offered as evidence in court. Five days pass. Five days in which the police can get no more out of either Tanner or Brooks. Then, the morning of the fix. Georgia Street Police Station. First thing. Now, this is the landlady over to the apartment where Henry Brooks lives, and I wanted to see if you'd given the message for me. Well, what's that, ma'am? Well, I found a funny-looking little scamming bag in the bushes under Mr. Brooks' window, and opened it, and there were some diamond rings in it. And I just wanted to give them back to him, and I remember he'd gone away with me, so I thought you could tell him. Well, I'll tell him all right. Now, don't let that bag out of your sight. This is just what we needed. <laughs> identifies the rings as being the one stripped from his wife's fingers for the torture bandit. The final and most important link in the chain of evidence is forged. And a month later in court, Hill turns state's evidence and supplies the prosecution with a complete description of the crime, with the result that when the jury finally gets the case, their decision is unanimous. Brooks, a reduction of sentence to that of life without right of parole. 
Thus ends the career of California's famous partridge kidnapping. With all three participants right where they belong, behind the bars of the state penitentiary. Thank you, Captain Wallace. Traveled 55 million miles last year on Rio Grande cracked gasoline. Well, here are some of the cities that have used it exclusively in law enforcement work Marysville, Oakland, Berkeley, Fresno, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles, Pasadena, Monterey Park, San Diego, Phoenix, Santa Barbara County, Orange County, San Diego County, Maricopa County, Arizona, and many, many other cities and towns. Many of these cities also use Sinclair Motor Oil. Sinclair, Pennsylvania, or Sinclair, Opaline. Naturally, the two make an excellent combination. Quick starting Rio Grande cracked gasoline, refined by the patented Sinclair cracking process, and free flowing Sinclair motor oil. Thoroughly de waxed and de jellied. Your independent Rio Grande dealer can supply you with everything you need for superb motoring satisfaction. Cracky lubrication, crankcase lubrication, and the only gasoline you can buy that gives police car performance Rio Grande cracked with such effort. And it will give you free the means of an evening's entertainment, calling all cars news, detective stories, movie gossip, and pictures, radio news, and many special features. See him tomorrow. Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs>